I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Welcome to episode 281 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. For those of you who have listened to this show, I love doing it. I love talking to you on a weekly basis about what's going on in the pinball hobby. The majority of my shows are designed to give you entertainment and excitement and news and rumors about the pinball hobby. Every once in a while, I do a show that really tries to get directly at a, an issue in the pinball world that I think requires focus and a, a more of an intelligent uh, analysis of what is going on. And, and, and I've done a few of those shows. And I think those shows to me are the most important shows I've ever done because I think those shows are designed to help you, the pinball buyer, make better decisions, right? And we've done it a few times on this show. You've heard them. Uh, when we analyzed Andrew Highway and everything he was saying to you about what he was going to deliver uh, with his Alien game and the Highway Pinball Company, right? And we sort of did more of a deep dive into his own words, and we let him speak for himself. And I think a lot of you out there benefited from listening to what this podcast told you about Andrew and his company. And we've done the same with Highway Pinball. And I think we've de developed a listener base uh, around Canada's Pinball Podcast because I think we are probably the only podcast that consistently really holds these companies accountable uh, for their actions. And in doing so, this podcast has developed uh, a sour relationship probably with most pinball manufacturers, right? None of them, for the most part, will come on this show and talk about pinball to you. So the interviews and all the other discussion will take place on other podcasts. And, and that is the challenge of a pinball podcast is how much do I speak uh, what I feel to be is the truth about a situation, you know, in fear that I will be blacklisted. But I'm here to, today to do a very specific podcast about Beatles Pinball and Stern Pinball. Now, if you've been listening to the last couple weeks of this show, you might be thinking right now, Canada's been shilling Beatles and he's, he's a big fan of the game and his Pinside Babies episode recently went off on people who were complaining about the Beatles. Now, look, I want to talk about this because I think it's important. I want to separate uh, the game itself from how the game is being marketed to the world. And here's my feelings about the Beatles. I absolutely love the Beatles pinball. Without a doubt, I think this is a really, really cool game. I love the approach of making a Beatles pinball machine that is a throwback uh, to what a 1964's Beatles pinball machine might have looked like if it came out back in the day. I'm all about that. I'm all about a simpler pinball experience that more casual people 
can jump on and enjoy. I think most modern pinball games uh, cannot be enjoyed by 99.9% of the public. Don't fool yourself. Uh, you really need to study these games and understand their rule sets to enjoy them. So I love the fact that Beatles breaks up the monotony of uh, the complexity that surrounds most modern games. I think Sea Witch was a great game, and I think this is going to be an even better game. I think people do uh, think the Beatles is a good theme. I think the Beatles music will translate very well into this machine. I think everything about this game is really cool, and I'm glad that Stern Pinball is making this game. And I think the team that worked hard on it deserves a lot of credit for doing this. I think Joe Kamakau and George Gomez and the team over there uh, bringing the first ever Beatles pinball machine to life is an amazing thing. All right, They created something that I think the world needed, and I'm happy in, in which the form they decided to give it to us, I'm happy in that throwback form. Now, from there, this is where I have an issue. And this is where, you know, Canada Stern fanboy, not so much this episode. So if, you are, if you're an employee of Stern or you're involved with Stern Pinball, you may want to um, stop listening to this podcast because I'm not going to say stuff that is going to be uh, music to your ears. All right, It's not going to be vitriolic. I'm not hateful. I just want to lay out a case as to why I think the marketing around Beatles Pinball Machine just didn't have to take the direction it took. And I do think the reason why I played the Gordon... Uh, you know, greed is good. Um, I think that there is a greedy move going on here that just sours what I think is otherwise a really, really awesome game. And, and the way I want to approach this podcast is very simply. I want to make a case um, about what it means to be a product that is the most expensive version of that product that has ever been released in the world. All right. Can we can we have a little 281 Stern Beatles pinball analysis? All right. So what warrants something being the most expensive in its class? Whether it's the most expensive TV, the most expensive car, the most expensive house, the most expensive watch, you could search this world for the most expensive item in almost any category and you'll find similarities in each, such as the following. The most expensive items, they tend to be the most superior version of that item ever created. They use materials of a higher grade. They are built with superior craftsmanship. Um, they are the culmination of that company's expertise. They're usually limited in number, and they do something truly unique, original, and never been done before, right? When you think about a company making the most expensive version of something, I remember being a kid. All of my friends had Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. But there was this other system out there that everyone wanted. It was called Neo Geo. It was by a company called SNK from Japan. It was the most expensive video game system ever made. It cost four times as much for that system versus Sega and Nintendo. But most incredible was each Neo Geo game was $200 each, and it was the size of a VHS tape. 
you know, compare that to the tiny little Sega Genesis cartridges. This is back in the early 90s. But what did you get for buying the most expensive video game system in the world? You got the best graphics the world had ever seen in a home console. It was like bringing the arcade experience home. Those who owned a Neo Geo were not shunned as losers or suckers, but they were looked at by other kids with awe and envy. Every kid wanted a Neo Geo, but most could not afford it. The world's most expensive pinball machine ever was announced this week. It's been 71 years since pinball machines have used flippers to create the fun device we all know and love. Over this time, this industry has evolved in so many fun and magical ways. With each new decade, new designs, technology, and imaginations found their way into the game we love, into pinball. Many would argue the golden era of pinball was the mid-90s, a period in which pinball creativity hit its peak. Hard to look at games like Medieval Madness, Monster Bash, Twilight Zone, Indiana Jones, Circus Voltaire, and Attack from Mars and disagree. Back then, the greatest pinball machines in the world could be had for around $3,000, new in box. Nobody cared about um, making the most expensive pinball machine ever back then. It was all about making the most fun pinball experience to take our quarters, to stand out in an arcade, to create that world under glass that when you walked uh, through an arcade, you saw something under that glass that made you want to play. Times have changed. Fast forward to today. Arcades are pretty much dead. The home collector is the main pinball market. And collectors want things worth collecting. They seek out rare items, valuable items, items that will be envied by other collectors. Deep down, all pinball collectors, they want their pinball version of Neo Geo. They want that rare high-end pin that will cost a lot, but be worth it. We need to look no further than John Papaduke selling out of Magical for $16,000 before people even saw a single thing. For if he had succeeded and made a modern Magical J-Pop game for only 16 people, that price would have been justified and then some. But we all know John failed. Before this week, the most expensive pinball machine ever made is Stern's Batman 66 Super Limited Edition. Just 80 units made to celebrate the 80 collective years of Stern's Pinball and Batman Show. It was originally supposed to be just 50 games, but Stern realized the high demand and added on the additional 30. Right? Why leave money on the table if you're Stern? It felt a bit wonky, right? But it worked. Even though they asked people to ostensibly beg for the right to buy one, they sold out immediately. And the debate began, right? We saw it all happen on Pinside. Was this $15,000 machine worth it? To owners who bought one, yes. They felt a sense of pride in securing one of a very limited number of machines. They also were predominantly huge Batman 66 fans, and this was a dream theme. 
it also came with the following upgrades they could point to to justify the cost. It had the metallic foil cabinet art, the amazing art by Christopher Franchi. This was the first time ever this kind of metallic foil with depth artwork was put on a pinball machine, and it was truly stunning. They had special armor that was cut like a bat wing with red Batmobile pinstripe going down the side and the apron. Probably most importantly, they had custom call-out by Adam West, probably one of the game's most exciting features for buyers. Adam West would personally ask them to answer the bat phone. Now, two years later, this feature is still not implemented into the game, even though West did record the call-outs before he died. It had an upgraded speaker system, had additional toys on the playfield, had a playfield signed by Gomez and Lyman, had all three translates of all three Batman models included in the purchase, had a special bat signal topper um, in the game. Say what you will about the price, but Stern at least tried to give you more for your money here. And because Lyman had coded the game to be great, the demand for Batman uh, 66 Super Limited Edition will always be high. And those trying to pry one from owners um, for less than $15,000 will have a really hard time. And I think now that we see the game two years later, and it is one of, I think, Stern's best games uh, and Lyman's greatest games, I think that's going to be the case. I'm here to tell you today um, that Stern has now released a game that is $10,000 more than Batman Super Limited Edition. That's right. As of today, the Beatles Diamond Edition pinball machine is the most expensive pinball machine of all time. The price to get one, $25,000. Now remember my earlier point. For $25,000, is the Beatles pinball machine worthy of this prestigious title, right? Is it the most superior version of that item ever created? Is this the most superior pinball machine ever? Is it using materials of a higher grade? Is it built with superior craftsmanship? Is it the culmination of Stern's expertise, of pinball's company's expertise? Is it limited in number? And does it do something truly unique, right? The answer to almost all of these questions, to the questions that matter the most, is no. It does not. The only thing it does is give us for the first time ever a Beatles pinball machine and gives us just a hundred diamond editions that don't really have anything in terms of a feature list that is different than the gold and platinum editions. And Stern themselves considers this a historic feat, right? The first ever Beatles pinball machine, right? And, you know, and that amount that they determine for this game is $8,000. So in Stern's minds, for, the, for you know, a Beatles gold machine is what Stern considers a price of the first ever Beatles machine. So that exclusivity of playing a Beatles pinball machine, they think is $8,000. So how in the world is a diamond edition, which is exactly the same game as the gold edition, worth $17,000 more? What does your $17,000 get you? And the answer is sadly nothing. You can't say exclusivity because the same exact game is the gold edition. You almost have to suspend all common and rational sense when looking at that price increase. You really are just getting different artwork from Franchi 
and an apron with a little diamond certificate on it. For $17,000 extra, you could put inside this game all of the value of a Dialed In and Monster Bash remake, two titles with 10 times the innovation of Beatles. And did we forget to mention that Beatles is not even a new game? It's a reskin of Sea Witch. So $25,000 for a reskin of a game. I mean, you just have to stop and think about that. For $25,000, you could buy five Stern Pros. But here's where things get weird. Stern will not come out and officially say with a straight face and tell you or tell you know, me or tell the Chicago Sun-Times the price of the game. No. They're ominously you know, leaving this out. The price is missing from all of their press materials and official communication around this game. Why is that? Why isn't Stern putting down on paper for anybody, not for me, not for you, not for their distributors, not for anybody, the price of the Platinum Edition and Diamond Editions of the Beatles? Is it because they feel embarrassed? After all, they know exactly how much each one costs to make. Are they embarrassed to put that $25,000 price tag next to a game that probably only costs them $5,000 at most to make at the factory? Is it because they want distributors to take the heat? They saw all the, the anger that happened with Batman Super Early, and are they deflecting this now onto somebody else? So why is Stern doing this? Right? I've never in, in, in the history of marketing seen a company do this. Completely ignore the manufacturer's suggested retail price. Do you know why MSRP even exists? It's designed for companies to show consumers they know what they should pay based on how much an item costs to make. It's also so consumers can tell if a dealer or retailer is ripping them off. Very simple, right? If Honda says a Type R Civic is $35,000 and a dealer is asking forty-five, dollars you know you're paying more than the very people who made the car think it's worth. And that should make you hesitate. And that is why I have such a big problem with Stern avoiding the MSRP. So why is Stern doing this? The only truly successful pinball company in the world had its best year ever last year. Why are they making a move that is a blatant cash grab? Sure, there may be some ignorant Beatles collectors out there, but not any that would drop 25000 on the spot. In fact, on the Beatles website, in the Beatles store, did you see this? All three models were sold for $10,000 and they sold out, which means some lucky fans actually walked away with a diamond edition for $10,000. The official company line from Stern is that distributors set the price of this game. So Stern and its marketing team want to distance themselves from what is indeed the biggest joke in pinball history that a reskinned Sea Witch machine with Beatles art is worth $25,000. Let me restate that. This is the biggest joke in pinball history. And it's embarrassing that this marketing move is coming from the one company that does not need to do this. 
I think Stern makes the best games. I think that you also appreciate and love all Stern does for pinball. But this move has me scratching my head. But again, Stern will not officially say it's $25,000. So what did I do? right? Because I'm looking out for you, the consumer, you, the listener of the show. I wanted to find out for myself if $25,000 was in fact the price needed to get a Beatles Diamond Edition. So I went to Stern's website and I clicked buy. And then I went and I saw a list of distributors who carry Stern machines. These are the individuals that would be getting Stern Beatles machines. And we knew the deal between Stern and distributors was they would have to buy in blocks of 10. You had to buy 10 machines, you got seven golds, two platinums, and one diamond, all right? I called and I asked these distributors how much to get a Beatles Diamond Edition. Now, I also wanted to record what they said to me. Now, I've changed the voices and I've disguised the voices of all the distributors I spoke to to protect their identity. But I do not think simply calling up a pinball distributor and asking them how much a certain pinball machine is and recording their response is anything wrong. And I'm all about ethical and moral things. This is I'm not entrapping anyone. And you will see there's nothing that these these distributors say that it that is, you know, that they should be ashamed of. What I came away after you listen to this, I'll, I'll talk about it after you hear, but I want you to hear um, what that happened. And I want Stern, the folks at Stern Marketing, to understand one thing. This is the consumer journey you've put people on. This is what everyone who wants to go get one of these has to go through. And I want the Stern Marketing team to really listen to this podcast, sit down in a room, and I'm talking about you, Tim, and you, Jared, and you, George, and you, Joe. You guys are the leaders and the pioneers. You, Jody, you're the, you, Gary, you guys are the leaders of this industry. You're the pioneers of pinball. Nobody does it as good as you. And I'm all for this game. I'm all for Beatles and the way you did it. But but putting a $25,000 price tag or even allowing distributors to ask $25,000 for this machine is something the Stern and Kapow marketing teams should be ashamed of. Again, because I don't think with a straight face you could look at anybody, anybody, who's been buying your games for years, who's been giving you their hard-earned money for games that, you know, have given them their money's worth. And even that's been questionable at times with some of the LEs you sell for $9,000. But it's okay. You've built an army of people that are very loyal and trust you. They trust that they're going to get what they pay for. And you can't, with a straight face, stern marketing team, look at these people and tell them that that this machine is worth $25,000. You also just can't deflect and say, well, the market will set the price. That's not fair either because the market hasn't set the price. These distributors are telling people that that is the price. And you can hear in their voice that they are you know, anxious about it, 
that they're like, it's, it's not something that they're proud of. Even if they sell one for that price, they are going, you know, to not make that person happy who bought it because we all know people are also going to buy them for probably half that price. And the ultimate thing is this, and this is the thing, and this is why I want Stern Marketing Team to listen to this. If you make the most expensive version of a game ever, you should feel super proud that it's worth it. That if you put that, if you said to someone, come over and look at the world's most expensive pinball machine, look at what a $25,000 pinball machine is, no one should ever stand over that game and be like, $25,000 for this? When Bugatti shows the world the most expensive supercar, do you think anyone looks at it and says, I don't get it, like, where's the value? That is the problem here. When Rolex shows the most expensive watch, right? The most expensive TV out there. Every single leader of industry who makes the most expensive version of a product is usually able to justify it with what you get. And I think Stern Marketing needs to rethink, rethink this whole thing. If they really want to stand in front of that game and with a straight face, tell me that this is worth $25,000. Now here's the recordings and I, I apologize for the, the bad audio because again, I care more about disguising the voices of these people than I do about you hearing exactly everything clearly. Um, but this is what it was like when I called down to a few uh, distributors and asked them about Beatles diamond pricing. Let's, let's play that now. Uh, hi, I have a quick question for you. I'm calling. My employer is a collector of pinball machines and he wanted me to find out a price on a, a, a new Beatles machine that he was interested in. Which edition is he looking at? Um, he wanted me to get on, there's a diamond and a platinum, he said, for me to look into. Yes, so the platinum is going to be 12500 and the diamond is going to be twenty-five grand. Okay. My boss is a collector. He wanted me to find out if you guys had pricing on the diamond editions or platinum editions of that game. Okay, give me one second, because it's even top secret to some of the employees. So let me hand you on if somebody knows, okay? Okay, right, cool. Quick question for you. I'm, I'm calling on behalf of my boss who, who collects pinball machines. He wanted to know if you guys had a price on some new Beatles machine, um, a diamond edition, he said. on a pinball machine. I was wondering if you could help me. Uh, sure, I can help you. Um, what pinball are you looking for? Um, my employer is asked me to inquire about, he's a collector of machines, um, that this new Beatles machine he's interested in, and he saw there was a, a diamond edition and a platinum edition he wanted me to get prices for. Sure. I'm sorry, can I give you a call back? Um, the pricing on the 
is is there a ballpark or I, I mean I've just I've had a, a few people quote me in different places I just wanted Good. Just real quick question for you. My boss is a big pinball collector. He wanted me to call around and, and try and locate a, a, some Beatles games and that he saw in the news. Could you possibly help me with a price on that? Yeah. Well, they're going to be the same anywhere because uh, Stern is really, really tight. But uh, anywhere you find it, it will be $79.99. He saw there's like a, a diamond and a platinum edition. He's like, this guy collects like the top of the top stuff. So do you guys have those available or are there pricing on those? on the, those platinum and gold, I'm sorry, the diamond and platinums. I can probably get your price. Yeah, could, could you? Because it's, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I will give you a ring here shortly. Oh, you can't just give it to me over the quote or the phone. Just because I'm calling around and he's like, he's just going to buy the first place that gives you prices that he feels good about. for you. My, my boss, he's a big pinball collector. He saw a story the other day about some Beatles pinball machine. Um, he, he wanted me to get a price on the diamond edition. This, this guy's like a high-end collector, so he's like, oh, he's got to have the best of the best. and he wanted me to call around and try and get a price on some new Beatles machine he saw. Okay. You... Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. So all, all I really have pricing on right now is just the gold. The boss is still working on how much he wants to charge for the platinums. So the, and we don't have any diamonds. So <laughs> the, the gold one is eight grand. And that's, that's all I know right now. I'll probably know more like Monday or Tuesday next week. But as of right now, that's, that's all I've got. I saw some story about some Beatles pinball machine wanted to know if you guys have like pricing he likes the diamond edition which is like i guess this rare version of it so i'm just doing his dirty work
What's your number then? Um, probably on the uh, platinum if I ever sell one today. Diamond still anything on that and Alright. So there you have it. I mean that is what the experience is like trying to find out how much this Beatles machine cost. And and I have to say, it, it wasn't an enjoyable one. It's not an enjoyable one for the consumer. And I could tell it wasn't an, an enjoyable one for the distributors. And, you know, again, I, I, I respect Stern Pinball more than any other pinball company on the planet. And I do think they're going to sell every single one of the Beatles Gold Editions. I do. I, I think these games are gorgeous. I just don't understand why, even if you could... Even if you could try to push to see how high that ceiling you can get, I don't understand why you would do it. Because you really just, you know, it's like, you, 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 it's hard for me to say this because it's like, as a marketer, I do, I, I, I spend my days trying to get companies to sell. And, and as a company, you try to spend your time making a profit. But there's also just something called common sense. And there's something about decency in the world. And there's something about not ripping people off that I think overrides those things. And I do find it funny. I do find it funny because, like, on one level, I follow Joe K on Facebook. Very, very great guy. You know, and, and look, Joe's, like, very, like, anti-Trump, anti-this. Like, he's a man of values and morals, Right, and then I know that he's behind this decision to let this game, you know, be arbitrarily inflated and fleecing people, and it's like it's just that kind of greed and that kind of like lack of caring for the community that just seems really at odds with where someone like he is in his own personal beliefs, and and again, like. I've said it before, Stern's not making anyone buy this game. Stern's not making any distributors buy this game. But I do believe that in the heart of hearts of all of those people on the Stern marketing team, in Joe's heart, in Gary's heart, in George's heart, there is no way that they can feel good about someone having to write a check for $25,000 when that person is going to ostensibly get the same exact game that is costing $8,000. And that's the only point that I wanted to make on this podcast, that I think the greatest pinball company in the world has made a major misstep. And if you're going to make the most expensive pinball machine ever, it also better be the most incredible oh my God, I can't believe what I'm standing in front of, the most incredible world under glass pinball machine ever created to have that kind of price and have that kind of title. And that's all I'm going to say on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 281. I hope you enjoyed it. 
I hope you know that I'm looking out for you guys. And I will always be the podcast that is trying to put your best interest in front of this show. You know, I don't do this for the twippies. I don't do this for the interviews. I don't do this for anything other than I think this hobby is really interesting. And I think a lot of the moves these companies make are really interesting to study. I've never, as a marketer, seen so many companies take so many different marketing approaches to selling something that's so easy to sell if you just don't fuck up the marketing, right? And then I just watch them all fuck up the marketing time and time again. And I think this is an example of like fucking up the marketing because even if they sell these, even if they sell these, what they're not realizing is the long game here is that what is what message does this send to people who want to support your company, right? Doesn't send a good one. And also, ultimately, the actual 100 people who buy these games, they will not be looked at with envy and awe the way Neo Geo owners will be looked at. They will be looked at as like losers and tools and suckers. You know, I I put up with enough of people calling me a sucker for buying Batman Super Elite, but I actually think I loved, I don't think anyone who bought a Super Elite is is really a sucker. I, I think this game, but I think that's the cat, man. $15,000. $15,000. That's as much as I'm willing to spend. Uh, there, there's no more room above that. Uh, you know, it's just, that's it. Um, and, I, and I really do think that, you know, Stern should reevaluate this whole thing. Um, you know, some, some other podcaster told me that you only can win a Twippy if your podcasts are good heading into like December. And so are we on a like a hit podcast streak right now? Like, will this possibly help me get more Twippy votes? Um, it matters not, but I hope you guys appreciate what we're trying to do here. Um, anyone who wants to like support me on Patreon, I really would love it. Um, I would love your feedback on this podcast. And I, and I want to say one final thing. The door is always open for Joe Kamikow, for George Gomez, for Tim, for Jody, for Jarrett, for Gary to come on this show. I know for a fact that Stern listens to this podcast, and, and I'm glad they do. And the, the, the door is always open. I have an open-door policy. I would love to talk to them. You know, they wouldn't even let me air the interview I did with Jarrett. And so I hope, you know, we can start to move into a different place in 2019 where, you know, there's more transparency, where these companies are giving you what you deserve. They're giving you the value for the game. Um, and that's that's all I ever want for any of you guys out there. I just don't want you to get fleeced uh, unnecessarily with some arbitrary manufactured rarity of a game that's not rare because there's 1,964 of them and you know it's a reskin and it's the same game. It's all this stuff, all the reasons why. Um, there should never be a price like $25,000 anywhere near it. So guys at Stern, I hope you guys have a good weekend. I do thank you for making, I think, the greatest pinball games in the most consistent fashion. Um, but but this time, you know, you're going to have to get the other side of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm sorry. And I, and I happily would read any comments you have as a company on air if you want to just email me at canadapinball@gmail.com. But everyone, this has been episode 281 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, have a great weekend play some pinball, uh, work out, eat healthy, enjoy your lives, watch football. Don't take any of this too seriously. And for the love of God, if I could have one final request, 
Iceman, please stop posting about the Beatles. We get it. You're not going to get one. And I hope this podcast articulates for everyone out there the anger you feel. But I think this podcast also shows that you can discuss what you think is wrong without being so emotionally angry about it. All right? Put down the keyboard, go upstairs, walk outside, and enjoy the sunlight, my friend. Have a great weekend.